I'm Ray Rogers. You're listening to Fix This, a podcast exploring tech ideas and solutions to some of today's largest challenges. All right, so today let's talk about data. It's everywhere and we're generating more than ever before. So what to do with all of it? Large data sets are useful to identify trends, make informed decisions, and sometimes gain insights that are otherwise not readily apparent. In the midst of a global pandemic, data is a key resource in understanding what's happening in the world around us. And this data is central to doctors, care providers, governments, and society at large to remain informed and be able to plan ahead. To learn more about how data in action can help prepare not only frontline workers, but an entire city as well, I sat down with Dr. Balahota. He's the vice president and chief analytics officer at Rush University Medical Center, an academic medical center that includes a 671-bed hospital that serves adults and children in the Chicago community. In collaboration with the City of Chicago's Department of Public Health, Rush built a cloud-based analytics hub powered by AWS. The hub is able to aggregate, combine, and analyze multi-hospital data related to patient admissions, discharges and transfer, electronic lab reporting, hospital capacity, and clinical care documents of COVID-19 patients receiving care across Chicago hospitals. Take a listen. Before COVID-19, what did your days look like? What took up most of your time? Pre-COVID, really, my span of control or the teams that I oversee are responsible or were responsible for business intelligence, advanced analytics, bringing sort of data and insight to people across the organization. We have oversight over the enterprise data warehouses, data governance, and really we were pretty driven towards the strategic aims of the institution, which lately or pre-COVID were service lines, clinical performance, quality, and our population health initiatives. So of course, COVID-19 changed your day-to-day and data from the patient to the population level is incredibly important in healthcare settings. Accurate data can improve patient care and ultimately save lives. At the very beginning of the pandemic back in 2020, what did the state of the city's data systems look like? Or even more specifically at Rush, what did the data systems look like? How were they functioning? It was an interesting experience, you know, looking at what was happening around the country and around the world and not sure what it would look like once things happened. But once I think the first wave came, what we really began to recognize and see was that data was sort of the key of understanding what was going to happen. So we had huge needs at Rush because of being able to forecast what was going to happen in terms of surge, like how many beds, how many ICU beds, how many facility beds were we going to need? And then also what were we going to expect in terms of what was happening with patients. You know, as this was all happening, I remember there was a period that we went through where the best data we were getting was basically like from Twitter, you know, Twitter feeds from people in New York and in California and Seattle, where they were having surges before us. And we were just so hungry. And nationally, I think everybody's really hungry for understanding clinically what was going to happen with people with COVID. That's so fascinating. So you were getting your news real-time from Twitter. Were your systems able to deliver real-time analytics and data like that? So yes, we were getting our data from Twitter. And no, the systems that we had at that time, and even now, I think, are really challenged at the population level, at the regional level, to give this kind of real-time information. And especially, you know, two big areas we ran into were 
the whole bed capacity regionally, what was happening, situational awareness of severe illness in our hospitals in the Chicagoland area. And the second was what to expect when people were severely ill. If somebody comes in, who were the patients we needed to worry about that would be most at risk? And what should we do? What things work, what things don't work? And yeah, in real time, physicians seeing these patients in New York primarily were tweeting what they were experiencing, what they were going through, you know, hour by hour, day by day. And we could, you know, take a lot of that information. And they were anecdotes, certainly, but they they helped inform what we were doing. So meanwhile, back at Rush, how were doctors collecting their own data? Was it just handwritten notes? What did that intake process look like? So there's a couple different spaces where we were collecting data. We use the Epic electronic record. EMRs these days have data warehouses where they come with the product. And we were certainly using that data. And my analytics teams built a number of really great dashboards. I was super proud of the team that would give us real-time information about bed capacity, clinical outcomes. And we, in fact, built a command center you know, really over the course of a few days that had really quite amazing dashboards that showed in real time what to expect and also forecast models of our prediction around bed capacity. We leveraged the John Hopkins feed, you know, that which everybody has. It's been an amazing resource to look at nationally what's happening with case counts. Public health was a bit of a different story, I think, as an industry and nationally. And so Chicago is no exception from this, which is Traditional public health workflows really are based on pen and paper and facts. The common way that you know public health does case surveillance leading up to COVID was to develop a case report form, a fairly validated instrument that could get the major fields of interest. And COVID, there was a person under investigation form that had over 50 elements to be collected manually on individuals suspected of having COVID-19. Pretty quickly, that form and that workflow, you know, paper and faxing with the surge overwhelmed. It couldn't keep up having individuals manually fill out that form, send it in, then have it manually entered. All of that was just not a viable solution to collect the data that was necessary. And so what happened is in Chicago, but also at a state level, at a national level, public health wasn't getting the data about what was causing severe illness, who were the people getting severely ill, and what was happening with bed capacity and bed usage. So we saw that pretty quickly, that it was just really huge gaps in counts. Between handwriting these forms, faxing them in, I can see how there would be gaps. And how were hospitals or care centers communicating with one another at this time? We had had some prior experience with Ebola several years ago. And the insight we had had at that time at Rush was informal networks. So communication with others, very low tech, went a long way. And so in Chicago, there was a really good culture of CMOs, chief medical officers getting together, talking. That's a model that I think New York had, several other places had. It was just sharing experiences, sharing kind of insights around beds. So that's that was one major communication method. There really wasn't a good system to understand bed capacity, though, from a technology perspective. We had a command center for Rush There was no such command center for the city or for the region to understand what was happening in real time. And so it really relied on this kind of low-tech communication. You know, every day, I I, I won't forget our CMO and our CEO, every day there would be like a structured time of day where they would kind of 
make phone calls to each of the CMOs kind of point to point to try to figure out what's happening and texting, of course, texting what's going on in your facility, how's your bed counts. And so there was a lot of that going on. Was this the number one question every day? Just where are the beds? Where are we at? What are other care centers and hospitals experiencing? Yes. And there's a few reasons for that. One is we had all seen in the news the images of hospitals where patients were being kept in the hall or there were no beds available. So running out of beds was our number one concern. We absolutely in Chicago did not want to have a situation where patients had to be in a hall. The other thing that we started to realize pretty early on was that having a bed at this time was one of the biggest factors in survival. Having high-intensity care available for people who are critically ill was a number one predictor of, of a good outcome. And that's because there's this method called proning where you can have individuals lay on their stomach while they're on the ventilator, that improves oxygenation. But it requires skill, and there wasn't a lot of expertise outside of high-level care facilities, like tertiary care facilities, early on. So the number of ICU beds where there was the capability of doing proning was the number one thing that we really wanted to know from a regional perspective and at Rush. And how would we be tomorrow? How would we be in a week, in a month? given case counts. So that really jumped to the top of the list to know how that was going to play out and what would happen in a surge situation. And we also knew that then we would basically be a great resource for sites to transfer to, you know, community hospitals that maybe don't have that skill. And from a health equity perspective, this sort of played in there too, because we knew that outcomes were the same among our patients from minority groups and non-minority groups, because once they got that high level of care, outcomes equalized among these individuals. So there were just a lot of reasons why we wanted to know who had beds and where. Describe the dashboard that you ultimately helped build. What can it do and who has access to it? So in partnership with the city, we basically built out a regional command center or the idea of a regional bed board and regional registry for COVID. This was really facilitated by the city. They created a public health order, which was basically an ordinance to say that hospitals had to report structured data from their EMR to the city. They basically partnered with us at Rush to build out a hub to bring that data together, link it, bring disparate types of data together, and make that available through analytics. What we built was a kind of an integration toolkit So it could take data from the electronic record, data that the health department had, and bed capacity information, all of which was now being reported and combine it. We built this in the cloud because we knew that building quickly and not waiting for procurement cycles and bringing on new infrastructure, new servers, we wanted to avoid all that delay. And also found that there were quite a few services within the cloud that made this job a lot easier. What we ended up doing was combining a source of lab testing, something called electronic laboratory reporting data, as well as data about patients like their comorbidities through something called clinical care documents, linked to those at the patient level, and then also brought in reports on how many beds were available at each facility. The combination of that gave dashboards that showed the severity of illness of patients at any given time, the characteristics of patients who had COVID, and how those other diseases and other factors linked up to severe illness. And then 
the availability of the highest acuity beds, like ICU beds across the city. So did this alleviate some of the need for the point-to-point contact, the text messages, the calls, the kind of small group huddles that were occurring before? It did. Uh, Although those small group huddles, what we did was factor those in. One of the other sort of innovative things about this was we built a data governance committee around the hub. So we actually took those members of those groups and set up a regular, initially it was weekly, then it's now monthly, meeting of this data governance group to review what data the city has, review it's how it's being used, review how it could be improved. And so we didn't replace that collaboration, but we sort of built it all together and aligned it so that the data supports the decision-making. Ultimately, how is the cloud changing the way the city can approach keeping its residents safe? So the cloud we are finding and the city is finding represents a fast way to modernize the way that data and data science can get done. You know, health departments are very data-driven. Epidemiologists are among the most advanced users of data. But with COVID, we saw just rapid, sudden changes in what kind of data we might want, the types of data sets that are available, the questions that are being asked. And the cloud has really provided an amazing amount of agility to modify what's being built and also add in some sort of -of out-of-the-box advanced analytics tools, which we've been really impressed with. Is the dashboard also changing the way doctors can provide care at the patient level? Not yet, but we're working on it. There's a lot of issues that we're very respectful of around data sharing and how to share data in the appropriate way back to providers at the point of care. You know, we've currently built this environment now in Amazon Web Services using HealthLake as one tool, among other tools. One of the things we're exploring is how can this data be made available to the providers through APIs so that they can access the data at the patient level. But in the meantime, the data is being used to help inform policy which does translate into sort of the decisions that help the health department is making. And what can other cities learn from this work? I think there's a few things. So one, COVID, I think what we've learned, one big thing is about every quarter, there's a new issue or there's a new major thing we have to figure out how to solve using data. You know, initially it was the severity of illness and bed capacity. Later it translated to new pediatric infections. There's a syndrome for kids called MISC. Later it became vaccinations and rates of vaccinations, inventory of vaccinations, accessibility and equity. It's now become molecular epidemiology. So what strains there are of the virus that are circulating. We are now also funded by the city to do something called the Regional Innovative Public Health Labs Project. And that's going to essentially be using this same set of tools, the same data center infrastructure, the cloud, to now store molecular data, which we would not have envisioned as something we would do back a year ago. But it's become critically important to track the variants and what those are. And we're basically going to be linking to our existing data sets, the molecular epidemiology or the strain types of new strains in Chicago and be able to look, is this something that we have to be concerned about? And so this just represents kind of the next use case. And what the cloud has been able to do and what we've been able to do is respond to each of those and be very agile. And so not thinking that the problems we're solving now are the problems we're going to need to solve in the upcoming time and making what we've built be responsive so that it can meet every new challenge. I think those have been 
the big things we've been aiming to do. I think as we look down the road, this is not just infrastructure that's just for COVID. We intend to have this be a resource for the city for other things. You know, every year the city of Chicago has a marathon and this will provide tools to provide public health awareness for that. Or Lollapalooza is another big event and we can, you know, take these tools and make them a resource for the city moving forward. As always, a big thank you to today's guest, Dr. Balahoda. And thank you for tuning in. If you like today's show, please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share. Catch you on the next one. 